Hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Welcome, this is Sleep With Me, the podcast that's here to put you to sleep. Uh, we do it a bedtime story. All you got to do is get in bed. We don't really got to do anything. All you need to do, all you could, you, what you can do. I just thought that gotta do sound a little bit too, you know, I don't want to put any pressure on you. Here's what you could do. Get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. You know, you could also start it while you're brushing your teeth or whatever, but you get out in the bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'll do the rest. That's what I say next. Uh, And here's what I'm going to try to do is create a safe, create a safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's uh, stuff on your mind, uh, feelings in your body, Stirrings in your uh, your your emotional makeup. It could be make. You could be like, oh, I forgot to take off makeup. You could just think about like, even if you don't wear makeup, sometimes I think, man, like I could go for like, uh, you know, the, those pat. Like maybe I need to do some exfoliate. Should I get back out of bed and exfoliate? Is that exfoliating? What's the thing when you put astringent on and? Uh, like this degreasing, right? I mean, when I when I do it, I say, "Holy cow!" Uh, and then I do like, and then I like do, like four years later, I do it again. Uh, so maybe I should bump that. Now I'm thinking about that instead of doing. Well, maybe we shouldn't finish this podcast intro. Maybe I should go astringe, astringent. That's what that stuff is called. And um, maybe I can get back to that. Just in case you're new, though, we, uh, what I'm going to do is try to create a place, safe place where you can set aside whatever's been keeping you awake, whether it's any of that stuff or something else. The whole idea of the podcast is for me to take your mind off the stuff. What I mean by a safe place is that you're welcome here. You're under no pressure to fall asleep, but you're also under no pressure to listen to me or pay attention. And what I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, uh, slow, pointless meanders. Uh, tonight, like uh, we're going to be talking about Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, but here's the usual structure of the show. Uh, so it starts out with like the business stuff to, so we can keep the podcast going and credit the people that work on the show. And it's about five minutes. Then we get about a 12-minute intro that we're just into. And then we'll uh, talk about uh, a Star Trek episode from Star Trek The Next Generation. I think tonight we're going to be talking about family. And, like, that's about it. So you just kick back and you can kind of listen. At some point, for some people, they fall asleep during this intro because they kind of know, okay, here, here's and here's even the structure of the intro is, uh, especially on Star Trek nights, I try to take it, like, I usually have something on my mind. Right now it's astringent. And once I've got something on my mind, it's incredibly easy for me to get distracted and forget about it or to not be able to forget about it and then not be distracted. But I usually try to take a quote from the episode and then make it into a metaphor of what the podcast is about. Uh, in one part of my brain, it's like to, to create a brilliant way to explain to a new person what the podcast is. But I think what I do unintentionally is like make obvious, we'll say, well, I don't really need to listen to him. He kind of does ramble, but he does try to remember to keep it slow and use his lulling, soothing tones. And there is a lot of pointless meanders in there. 
Uh, so let, but let's see about the quote. This was a quote from Robert, Jean-Luc's brother. He says, Father understood better than anybody else uh, uh, that you can't lose the values which we hold most precious. And then Jean-Luc said, Jesus, you don't have to lose anything by having a little convenience. And then Robert says, life is already too convenient. And I hear that. I mean, I hear like someone like Robert, like, I don't know if people always like, even, I don't know why do we have a voice or why do I have a voice in my head that says stuff like that? Like life is already too convenient. Or it might say your life is already too convenient. And I would say, well, I don't have that auto astringer actually. So it isn't convenient because I don't know if I've astringed in like this can like maybe last calendar year after I was out somewhere where I put on like three or four, like if I maybe wore sunscreen like five times in a row, I may have astringed last year at some point or used astringent. I mean, I always feel astringed, you know, I, I like that. I think that's the state of needing to be astringed. A strange, a strudge, a strunge. Isn't there something like that? Some phrase, but uh, but um, something, a something, a, a strange, a stretch, a strunge. Or is that isoramis? I think I'm falling back into my Latin roots. Isoramis. That's all I got. I think I went into like a blind alley in my brain. Uh, but but uh, like uh, so. I'm totally stuck. That's funny. I like, uh, so I'm thinking about astringent. Those, now those pads, I don't know what they're, those are called. Uh, those are cotton pads, I think, that you use in astringing. And uh, like, I think the most, back in my day when I should have been astringing, uh, like the, I think the most popular one was like a breeze from the sea was what it was called. And I'm not sure if any, if my sister used it, uh, or we like, uh, I don't know when the first time I encountered that is, but, uh, like it, it, it ideally takes off a layer of gook off your face and you say, Ooh, this feels good. Uh, I don't know in like, that's in theory. I don't know what it actually, like, I don't know, like, like I'm sure I'll hear from somebody. I mean, what is like, do, 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 do you need to astringe and how often do you need to do it? Because uh, then another side, and the, again, these aren't for debates for bedtime. This is just me, you know, probing. Because the other side would say, well, you, you know, you got your body's got its natural grease going. Don't worry about it, you know. Like there's that thing. And I guess that could be like, like let's try to keep it in that gray area. Let's just say it's working fine. I still have a face. Uh, so, you know, 40 plus years, I still have a face, uh, base, you know, so I've got my body's natural oils. I have sebaceous glands. I do know that. Another great word, sebaceous is another podcasty word I've never used before. That should be like one you say, how are you feeling today? Sebaceous, dude. Like, uh, did the uh, turtles ever say anything like that? Because they say that's like, uh, I guess you'd probably say it like if you've been, if you've had a cold and you've been in bed for a few days, I feel like I feel so sebaceous. You say, well, let me get, let me, get, let me bring over some astringent and some cotton pads. And uh, I wish, you know, Robert was not in charge of the Breeze Sea Corporation because otherwise we probably have something more convenient. Uh, but this podcast, I guess, like this podcast is not entirely con- well. It's not efficient. 
I guess podcasts by their nature are supposed to be convenient. You turn out your lights, turn it, get in bed, turn out your lights and press play or do it in a different order. And you listen, but then like, uh, you know, this bike is a little bit different, a little bit strange. Takes, it takes some time to get like, it doesn't go anywhere, but I do see the people that dislike it. They say, well, it doesn't, it's not going anywhere. And they say, well, no, it is. It's going places just slowly. You know, it doesn't make a whole lot of, it's inconclusive. Like if anybody's listening tonight, hoping like to say that they get a definitive answer on like when to use astringent. Well, I think there is a, a when it, when you think of it, uh, or not, you know, not, or however often, yeah, inconclusive. Uh, you miss it, like I had a quote from uh, Jean-Luc's brother, but uh, like the whole idea of tradition, I don't know if that doesn't fit in there, failed shoehorning of uh, ideas. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to admit my mistakes, though. So, I, like, I don't know, this, I guess this podcast is kind of convenient. Yeah, cause, like, I mean, that's the whole idea is that you listen at your leisure and then you like listen less like uh, for for the majority of people you turn it on and at some point between uh, minute 7 and minute 28 you fall asleep uh, but here's the thing i say every night because it's important i'll be here for an hour uh, because it one because i know there's some listeners that don't fall asleep and you know i want to keep you company in the deep dark night but I also want to reassure you, you say, well, I got all the time I need to fall asleep. I, like, I can just kind of listen. But, but, but like, because you're under, like, I don't want, I don't, I'm not putting any pressure that you should fall asleep or that you should listen. And I don't want to put any pressure on myself. I mean, this is like, but this is kind of meta, but I guarantee you there's a hundred percent chance when I suppress stop on this recorder, I'm going to go like, do I have, like, where? In my cabinet is that generic sea breeze, and I know I have some cotton pads, like the last time I moved, whatever they're called, uh, somewhere, I think. Otherwise, I'm going to go straight to the store and buy them. So there's that. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know what else to tell you. If you're new here, this podcast is a little bit different, uh, but you don't have to take it serious. Uh, and if you don't like it, that's cool. Like, you don't have to listen like, the reason I started making this show is, one, because I've been there, and I still have ongoing, you know, it comes and it goes. I've lied there, tossing and turning, so I know uh, what it can feel like. And one of the things that took my mind off of stuff was listening to the radio. And one of the things I do now is listen to classical music on the radio uh, because it puts me in the mood for for bed. And then another thing is, I look, like if I'm reading a good book, I look forward to bedtime. Uh, and I hope that's what this podcast could eventually do for you: is distract you so you can fall asleep and make you like look forward to bedtime, or dread it a little bit less. I won't be giving out, you know, makeup tick tip tick makeup ticks. I might, you know, I think I had one of those from the time. I, you know, when I, like, cause I have always been tempted to said, well, what are those things called? The lip, lip smackers? What were the other ones? So, well, I got to taste it. What is that? Orange punch? I don't even think I've drank orange punch. Uh, so I got to try that. So then that's when I had to make up tick. It went away though. Once I sweated out everything that's in those lip smackers. So yeah, like, I'm glad you're here. 
if you can't sleep, like give this podcast a couple of tries. It works for a lot of people. It doesn't work for everybody, but I hope it works for you. You know, because I, like, I think you deserve a good night's sleep and without all the rigmarole. And I'd be honored to help you. So I'm glad you're here. And not only do I hope I yearn and I work really hard uh, because, like, I, I want to help you fall asleep. So thanks for stopping by. All right, everybody. So this is Sleep with TNG, Star Trek The Next Generation. And this one, uh, so, like, I thought I'd check in real quick. A couple things about, uh, well, one, I'm just starting to record this episode. I think this is this. So we're going to be talking tonight and probably next week about uh, season four. Shoot, I can't find my road. Like, season four, episode two, I believe, uh, Family. And, like, uh, um, I'm trying to think of, like, I don't know, just such a rich episode uh, that I said, well, what if we linearize it? Because there's three stories. I, I, I don't really, I always hear how people talk about writing television, but I think there's an A story, a B story, and a C story. And the A story is Jean-Luc Picard's return to France for, France for his visit. And then we have Worf's parents visiting. And then we have Dr. Crusher deciding and then giving a tape uh, to, to her son, Will. It's Wesley. Wesley, Will, I think is it. Anyway, and I said to myself, well, geez, this is like, uh, this is a really, really uh, dense episode in a good way. So I thought I would at least attempt to break it up. And I, so I took notes in two different notebooks. So here's what I'm, propo- here's what I'm proposing to attempt. I, I won't know. Like, you'll know before I know. That's that's what's funny. Well, maybe not because it will be because, uh, you know, the shows will get edited and stuff. So I guess not. But uh, um, what I'm going to do is record the Jean-Luc Picard portion of the episode all in a row, just like it was its own just a Jean-Luc return to France story. And then maybe talk about some of the facts that came up and stuff uh and ideally that'll be like, that'll be an, like, well, that'll push us over an hour. I think it will. Like, that's my fear is that, uh, like, I don't want to, oh, like I said, geez, I really want to spend some time on, there's a lot of good stuff with this wharf story, even though it was a beast story and I don't want to miss anything. And this Jean-Luc one, be honest, the first time I watched it was a couple months ago. I watched it casually and there's a two-parter episode before it, which is really, really, uh, like a lot happens in those episodes. It was a season cliffhanger, I believe. And this episode would have presumably been like a breath of fresh air, but instead it's like a breath of like fresh, uh, uh, cold air, I guess like, a. It, it's not like a dull, uh, it, it, there's not a lot of action in the episode, but there's a lot of emotional journeying. So that's one thing. Then the second thing is I always like to keep you updated on how I'm watching these episodes because this episode, I've adjusted my technique yet again, and I don't know if I'll stick with it. And kind of this is a new hybrid that I've been moving towards, uh, but this is the first time I implemented it. And this was a good one to implement it since I was switching notebooks and really digging deep. Um, so let me lay that on you too. So here's what, here's what the viewing was for family. Like I'd watched it a few months ago in a ca- like as a casual first, you know, just watch the episode. Then 
Uh, I said, well, and she said, how am I going to do it this time? And what I decided is I, I loathe, like a lot of people, I don't like exercising, but I, I think it's something I have to consistently do. So then I said, well, maybe when I exercise, uh, like work out on Friday and early Monday and early Friday in the mornings, I said, like, I'll like passively watch Star Trek, uh, this episode again and kind of just observe, uh, you know, what, what I'll be working out uh, uh, to try to keep my data, you know, to keep gathering data, not the character data, but, you know, it was details about the episode. And then what I did was I, I broke it, like I decided, and I think this is what I'm going to do, because I think it was fruitful, fruitful, is I watched, I broke the episode into six parts, like almost every ad break, I, I would do like one night, so there's usually, I mean, seven nights in a week, but six nights that I watch, uh, and then on the seventh night I watch a ca- I watch Star Trek casually. So I broke this episode into six parts, which are usually about forty six minutes, which divided by six, I have no idea. Like I think seven, six times six is thirty six. Six times seven, seventy. I don't know. Seven, say four. 21, 42 minutes. So somewhere, maybe it's eight minutes. I don't know. But, uh, and then it allows me to pause a lot more and like take a lot more details and then, um, not worry as much about Jesus. Like, uh, like gives me more space, uh, instead of trying to watch it. I don't know. It's an experiment. So that's where we're at. And as usual, I have the episode on my old iPhone here. I'm going to fire it up. Hopefully the volume's down, but it probably, who knows. And at some point, you know, all these updates will end up to, that'll be the end of this 4S. And then I don't like, uh, we'll see what I do. And then we have a transcript and I have my notes and I downloaded the episode, but it's not starting for some reason. Okay, so it's starting and I don't hear anything. So that's good. And uh, but now, now after all that, I got to uh, pause because I, uh, I got to get some extra light in here. Evans, this is happening every week, I think. All right, so the, so this is the Picard run through of this episode. So it opens with the captain logboard to start date four four zero one two point three, and the Enterprise is tacked at McKinley Station, going through overhaul and retrofit after the Borg incident. And he says, uh, Captain Picard says, uh, Picard, Jean-Luc Picard says, I'm confident the ship and her crew will be ready to return to service. And, you know, for me, like, I thought this was really good effect. Again, I mean, man, the show really stands up effects-wise. Uh, at least in these, like, whatever, I don't know what you'd call these effects, but, you, you, like, I'm pausing it, and, and the ship's got, like, uh, the Enterprise is kind of on this, like, uh, there's another ship on it that obviously is repairing it. And in the background, you see a blue planet, uh, like a water-based planet or whatever they call it. You say, whoa, wait a second. Oh, boy. And now we have Riker and actually the blue planet's in the background. And I saw some, some movement, which is nice. And even though this is a, this one scene is not about Jean-Luc, it is... Uh, yeah, uh, because he says ready to return to service. So we have Riker, and he's filling out a like something on an iPad, and he sends off and uh, says, "Go down to engineering." And then White Wharf comes in, says, "Jesus, phasers are good to go." 
And Riker, and he said, I'm moving on to the next thing. And Riker goes, you're too, Riker, you know, he's got to use this, uh, he's such a sailor, this Riker. He says, you're too damn deficient, Lieutenant. And Worf's like, thank you, sir. Oh, boy. And he says, continue with the uh, testing. Here's the schedule for all the shore leave and the personal stuff. And he says, geez, by the way, I'm looking forward to seeing your parents here. And Worf's like, what? You know, WTF? He goes, yeah, they're on the visitors list. And we get to, like, uh, and he goes, you didn't nobody? He goes, no, sir. He goes, it's inappropriate for a Klingon to receive family while on duty. As humans, my parents just don't understand. And I said, tell it to, you know, tell, we, we, like, I wonder if he, he ever did a video, like, Will Smith, uh, you know, parents just don't understand. Human, pa- I mean, in this kind of, this is a really, really rich episode, though. And, like, uh, I think it's just important because uh, he says, uh, Riker says, well, geez, I don't know because, like, I don't get it because this isn't a Klingon ship. If you don't want to see your parents, it's your business. Uh, he goes, but we don't get to Earth uh, all that often. You know, I could get you get you off duty while they're here. He goes, no, 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 don't worry about it. And then he goes, you're dismissed. He goes, Worf, are you worried about... Uh, uh, you know, what, what, what happened on the planet, like last season on the Klingon planets. And he goes, not at all. I've already informed them by the correspondence of my discommodation. And this is important thematically for the whole episode, really thematic episode. He says, I do not believe any human can truly understand my dishonor. And then, uh, that, that scene ends. And then the next scene starts and it was, uh, yeah, a little bit confusing. He opens with Jean-Luc in a robe, and uh, it was like, I was really confused because uh, in the background, he's in the bathroom, or is at his vanity, and his chest is at, like, you can see chest hair, and then standing in the background of the mirror is uh, Counselor Troy. Her arms are crossed, but I said, wait a second, what is going on here? Because uh, it looks like he's in a bathrobe, but at some point, and he's looking at some sort of blue outfit or something. Also notice he had, like, oil candles or oil, I don't know, like, little lamps, uh, arms crossed. Where are they, I put? Uh, Picard's a little aloof. And since we got time, I can really, like, I'll run through my notes, and then maybe I'll run through the dialogue a little bit. And then maybe the scene again. Uh, where? Because oh, this room's huge. Uh, Picard's like aloof. Uh-huh, um, 20 years, interesting counselor. Uh, this was strange to me. Like, if you look, it's around, this is around 2.30 in the episode, so around 2.40, we see Picard's bed, I believe. And it looks like it's mounted at an angle, like that the head of the bed is lower than the foot of the bed. And, or the foot of the bed is lower. I don't know. I, I just paused it because then he'll be talking about this for a while. Uh, but it, also at some point when he's walking, he realizes this is an, like he's wearing pants. Because at first I thought he was just wearing a robe. And I said, man, they must have super good boundaries. Or, you know, obviously it's like uh, something very casual. Because I said, what is he in a robe with Troy with? I mean... I don't think Starfleet Command would have, but he's got pants on. It's just his shirt. It's, uh, it's like airy, you know. He says, well, my chest gets hot when I'm on shore leave. 
And I would say, Jean-Luc, I get it. Totally, I get it. Uh, I don't know what you think. I'm better. Okay, so we'll go through that. Uh, uh, let's see what other new choice. Could use some scrutiny. Home village, interesting. Ricard smiles. Have a good cab. So, yeah, let's run through. Uh, so, yeah, Ricard says he's going back to France, his home village. 20 years, first time. And Troy's really working. She's trying to be therapeutic, as we kind of see for this theme. She says, interesting. And Picard says, come on, counselor. And she goes, I find it interesting. You know, you couldn't go on vacation for three years. And he goes, well, it's Earth. Uh, it's home. Do I need another reason? She goes, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, and he goes, look, uh, you know, I've been recovering, but now I'm better. And he even does this, like, fake, uh, raises his arms up. I'm better. And it really rings uh, that it's not true, like, uh, fake and uh, fake enthusiasm, like making muscles. I'm better. Like, my injuries are healing. And she says, yeah, the ones you can see in the mirror. And he says, I'm thinking better. All I need is a little time to myself. And she goes, oh, totally, time to yourself. But, uh. It's just where you're going that it concerns me. And Picard goes, if you think I'm heading home uh, because of what happened with the Borg, you can be my guest. And she goes, well, is that what you believe? And he goes, I hate it when you do that. And she says, Captain, you need time. You know, you can't recover quickly. She goes, it's perfectly normal, you know, to have, uh, to take some time to recover from dealing with the Borg. Being a Borg, as a matter of fact, Captain. And Picard says what makes every therapist laugh after, you know, especially when you say you're better, they don't laugh then, but they say, what better place to recover and relax than the streets of one's home village? You know, or maybe therapists grind their teeth when you, well, no, I'm going to go home and totally relax. This time it'll be different, doctor or counselor. And Troy says, well, interesting. You have a good trip, Captain. And she kisses him on his cheek, and he packs some books. Uh, or no, he try, He looks at three books like he's going to pack them. And then he puts them back. I, didn't, I couldn't figure out what books they are. Like he does this, uh, what the hell, Jean-Luc? We're, you know, we're living. And then he puts the books back, and then he heads out the door. Oh, wait, he gets his luggage, had to change pages, and then turns back for one last look, and then... Uh, uh, the open. I was also going to try to pay attention to the story. That was a little bit harder. But as I fast forwarded here, um, I mean, the story, like, so Jean-Luc is recovering. Is it good to recover as he goes home? I don't know. It's a little, not a, I'm, I don't have it down where I can understand everything that's happening in these episodes quite yet. Yeah, but then we're going to skip ahead to this next uh, Jean-Luc scene. And, uh, oh, here's the story notes. I put Jean-Luc needing to heal and going up to, uh, going, going up to do, I don't know what that is. So is it misguided question mark? And then Worf's parents come in the ship, him feeling like no human understands life. Is it Klingon? I think that was night one of uh, my things. Then we see Jean-Luc in France or France and he's walking down a lane and it's very lush. There's bushes and there's a canopy of trees, and he's really uh, strolling. 
And he's in the same outfit. His chest is, you know, he's got wind on his chest. Uh, his bag is over his shoulder. You know, I would, I would hasten to say there's a spring in his step. And then he slows down. He senses someone spying on him. And uh, he uses kind of out-of-date pop culture reference on this kid in suspenders. And he's really showing some chest here. And chest hair, he doesn't, like, uh, his chest hair doesn't really show up on camera. And the kid, I guess, like, I've seen, like, some people complaining, like, like uh, Star Trek uh, uh, cast members about the, like, level of polyester. Uh, but this little kid, he, he has, like, leather suspenders, and he has a shirt. It looks like a Cool Max-type shirt, like a good wicking shirt. I'm not sure on that, but it looked like it. And then they start walking, and they figure out. Then the kid takes uh, Jean-Luc's bag, and there's kind of a cute thing. Like, uh, let's see. The, uh, first, he says, geez, are you a highwayman? And the kid goes, what's that? And he goes, oh, like, uh, don't worry about it. He goes, no, no, no. And the kid says, I know who you are. He goes, well, you have me in advance. He goes, you're my nephew, Jean-Luc from the Enterprise. And Picard plays on and goes, oh, you must be my uncle Rene. And he goes, no, 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 the other way around, I guess, the kid says. And Picard says, well, I kind of like the other idea better. And then the kid says, well, geez, where have you been? And Picard says, on a starship, I've been busy. And Rene, the boy, says, well, father says you don't like it here. And Picard says, oh, maybe you didn't understand. He goes, no, no, no. He goes, uh, he said it. He said, you know, you're in a you know, angry SOB or arrogant or something. He goes, well, it's maybe it's time to change all that. And he says, maybe we could talk about it later. Uh, then we get to the winery and, uh, or look, look like a winery. And the kid's like, mommy, mommy, he's here. And we see his sister-in-law, Marie. She's in blue, very sky blue. She's very welcoming, very concerned and, uh, Picard, time to get out. So what does that mean? Try to get out. Oh, he tries to get out of the parade, I think. Or no, he wants to, he gets out of staying, he tries to get out of staying there. Oh, I'll stay at the village. And this brought up a question for me. She says, it's your home. It will all, you will always be your home. Um, do thanks. It look that different. Uh, everything as I remember it, uh. And at some point, Picard kind of puts his hand to his face, thoughtful, but a little bit paranoid or something, as, as we run through the dialogue. Because he says, uh, they talk about how her, his brother and his father are so similar. She says, oh, Jesus, it's so good to see you, Marie says. Uh, delighted you're going to stay with us. He goes, no, no, I don't want to impose. She goes, oh, no, it's your home. It will always be your home. Does it look different? And he goes, no, it's amazing how little it's changed. Everything is as I remember it. The house, the hills, the bushes, the trees, untouched by the passage of time. And she says, Robert's worked hard to keep it that way. It's important to him. And Picard says, as it was to our father. That's what you can see stresses him out a little bit. And then Renee says, I'm going to be a ship captain and Picard says, geez, you look just like my brother. I've expected to see myself coming out playing with you. And then they say, geez, your brother's look at Robert. I keep calling him Robert because that's my handwriting. But it's Robert. Sorry to anybody, any Roberts out there. 
Yeah, there's Picard, really nervous at uh, 11.08. If you want to see Jean-Luc uh, looking vulnerable, 11.08 on this episode. And uh, then, let's see, he heads out to see Robert, who's like taking a big handful of grapes and tasting them. And then they have some dialogue, which we'll discuss. But Picard looks off. It's good. It's good to see you. Wind picks up. Uh, that's what Picard says to his brother. He says, oh, it's good. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. It's good to see you. Then the wind picks up. And his brother doesn't even say anything. And then he goes, are you tired or what? Because you look awful. He goes, get out of here and make yourself at home. And then the thematic thing comes again. He says, I must try to take care of this poor sick vine. And then the camera pulls out to a shot of modern France and uh, Picard walks away. Oh, but yeah, Robert first says, geez, you got here. Welcome home, Captain. And uh, he goes, would you take a shuttle? And Picard goes, no, I can walk. I already seen Marie and Renee. And then I, I caught the rest of the, uh, seems like I, did, I got the rest of the, uh, uh, the rest of the dialogue, too. Also important things, they eat at 8 o'clock. That seems very French, 8 p.m. And let's see, I'm just waiting for this shot to come up of modern France. So, like, you see the vineyards uh, contrasted. Like, it's a slow pull out. It's windy. And then you see, like, these like an old castle, the vineyards, and then some radio towers and some modern-looking painting buildings. So really cool. And then it's uh, like we like a little while, and then it's France at night, and there's a light coming out of the house. There's cricket sounds, and they're eating dinner. Robert, Rene, Marie, and Jean-Luc. And uh, it's like, are they having rabbit stew? I don't know if that's like a presumptive, but uh, that's what I was wondering. And they have wine, and they have bread, and they have water. And we'll go, go through the dialogue, but there's like pa passive aggressive entanglements uh, about the ocean and the parades. Let's see. Really nice traditional house. We got candlelight and uh, nice uh, like lighting because of the candlelight. I mean, I don't want, like, I think Robert and Marie are like a little bit older than uh, I would think for Renee's parents, especially Robert. I mean, he should, like, I don't know if it's the wine that's been so hard. Like, he's, like, uh, it looks like he's lived in the, like I say, he's been out in the sun. Uh, I mean, especially up against a youthful, youthful Jean-Luc. Uh, like, uh, Jean-Luc carries himself like he's been, I mean, I guess if you are a Starfleet officer, you do have to be pretty healthy. So they go back and forth. Uh, and, uh, let's go through the dialogue because it's interesting. Uh, Marie says, she's your buddy, old buddy Lewis wants to get a hold of you, which made me laugh last night when I was watching it. Cause I was like, oh, that's, uh, Walt Jr. Uh, his friend, his best friend is Lewis too. Uh, so who would have thought Walt, Walt Jr. and Jean-Luc Picard would have the same name, best friend, Lewis. And Picard says, Jesus, he's still working on raising the ocean floor. Marie's like, oh yeah, he's a supervisor and very proud and they're trying to, like Robert says, I don't know why we would need another continent. I'm over it. Uh, you know, he goes, I'm over continents. And Jean-Luc says, Jesus, the first, I guess the first barb in this situation comes from Jean-Luc. Because he says, uh, 
it's exciting if you would understand the potential of exploring a new world on our uh, planet past the butter, please. And you say, wow, Jean-Luc's family is just like mine. It makes him reactive instantly. Even a great man like Jean-Luc uh, can be passive-aggressive. And he says, he, uh, Robert says, well, I guess I just not, I don't understand it. And they say, geez, a parade. The Marie says, a mayor wants to give you a parade and keys to the city. And Jean-Luc says, oh, no, no, no. And, of course, you know, this is a, like, this is a power dynamic because Robert, Robert and Marie, see, they seem happily married, but Jean-Luc is definitely a superstar. And he seems to have a great affinity for Marie, just as friends, like a plutonic one. But still, I would view it as a threat if I was Robert. Uh, like, even if it's on a subconscious level. So he says, oh, he just needs a little coaxing deer. And Picard then refers to himself. And he goes, no, he does not. Uh, I'm here to rest and spend time with my wonderful family. And Marie said, well, I already warned the mayor. And then they cheers their wine. And Picard drinks it. And he says, he studies it. He smells it. He says, is this the 46? And Robert says, nope, 47, you bonehead. Remember when I used to call you uh, a little a little bonehead? That didn't, that part doesn't happen, but he goes, no, no, this is a 47. You've been drinking too much synthethol. It ruined your palate. And again, they, the Picard says, on the contrary, it, it makes your palate better, so there. And then they say, geez, this is good. And then Picard says, leave it to Robert to marry the best cook in France, uh, and Robert says, well, your technology is doing its way to ruining cooking, too. I won't have a replicator in this house. And Picard says, my mother and father were the same way. Father wouldn't let mother have a replicator either. And Robert says, this was a good one. I really started this a lot. Father understood better than anybody the danger of losing those values we hold most precious. And Ricard says, I don't think you have to lose anything just because something's convenient. And Robert says, in my, like, in my view, life is already too convenient. They say, like, uh, Marie says, geez, you guys give it up. We're at dinner. And Renee says, I did a report on starships. And Marie's like, and he got a ribbon for it. Uh, best the teacher had ever heard. And Ricard playfully says, good for you, uncle. Because I wrote a report about starships once, and Renee says, "Did you win a ribbon?" And Picard's like, "I don't know. I don't recall." And Robert says, "I don't find your modesty very convincing, brother. Of course you won the ribbon. You always win." And Renee says, "Do you still have the report?" And Picard says, "No, I don't think I do." And then we're like, because Picard's not good with kids, he doesn't get the hint. Renee says, well, I still have mine if anybody wants to read it. And his mom, she, Marie says, go get it and read it to your uncle. And as soon as the kid leaves, you know, Robert says, geez, it's hard enough to protect him. Which kind of, this is like another really nice uh, theme in here. Uh, he says, geez, so like, you can't just protect him from, you know, why encourage him? We need to protect him. Like, this is like my internal critic. Like, why would you ever leave France and have conveniences and whatever? And Ricard says, geez, like, I'm not encouraging him. I just answered his questions. If you weren't so narrow-minded, you'd let him see the world as it really is. 
And Robert says, you can raise, like, total burn. He says, you can raise your sons however you wish. Oh, wait, no, 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 you don't have any. Well, allow me to do it with mine. Let's see. Marie has to help Picard because he doesn't get the kids' hints. Oh, at the end of the scene, Picard's look says, uh, what was I thinking coming back here? I thought that was funny. Then there's a commercial break. Uh, then Picard and Lewis are in the vineyard to walking. And he says, Lewis says, one man's idea of paradise. And Picard says, no, two, my father and Robert. And we get a little bit of taste of Picard's backstory to, through this whole episode. But him and Lewis, you know, he says, she's never have I met anybody less interested in grapes than you, Jean-Luc. And Jean-Luc says, no, 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 I was interested and I was proud that my family was preserving the traditions. I just wasn't bound by those traditions. And Lewis said, geez, you always reach for the future and your brother for the past. And then Picard says, well, geez, there's got to be room for both. And he goes, what are you up to, bro? And he goes, well, it's into hydroponics for a while, but they shut that down. And Picard says, Jesus, I should you should have listened to me. He goes, if I listened to you, I would have never gone cycling with the Bloom sisters and married them and all that. And then Picard says, what's up with this Atlantis project? And he goes, well, he goes, I'm just one of 200 supervisors. My wife acts like I'm in charge of it. But he goes, it's really exciting. And Picard says, yeah, I've been reading about it. And then Picard goes, Jesus, just one thing I don't understand. And then there's a beat and he says, Jesus, you're a too terrible swimmer. And they laugh. Uh, and Lewis says, well, I, I suppose we all find ways to confront our greatest fears. And then Picard says, how are you going to raise it up without, you know, messing with the tectonics? Uh, and they say, geez, we haven't quite figured that out. Uh, and Picard goes, geez, on, on the Enterprise, he goes, we used harmonic resonators when um, we were on Drama 4. Not exactly the same thing. And Lewis goes, oh, man, we could use a leader like you. He, would he goes, I know you'd never leave Starfleet, but uh, Picard goes, nope. And then he goes, well, geez, if you're so interested, why don't I send you some of the behind-the-scenes stuff to read? He goes, you, any thoughts you had? And they say, okay. Picard says, totes. Uh, totes my goats, as a matter of fact. And let's see what else we have. No two men, Robert and father. What does this pun mean? Oh, what is it? No, no, that was Lewis's pun, uh, pin. Lewis's pun, Lewis's pin. I really liked how Picard uh, cracked him up. Uh, then I tried to run through the story again. Ship's under repair. Uh, Picard is under healing or repair, uh, but going home a little too soon or too fast. Uh, or uh, going home to heal, or is it too soon? And then we see the kid and Marie, and there's the theme of like home always being the same and never changing. And then something about Robert, you know, caring for sick, sick vines. Uh, then the dinner with the idea of tradition versus and uh, protecting traditions versus technology, and also of like cloistering their son, Robert cloistering their son, and then this idea of this new job potential with Lewis. And let's see, then we see this mini, like the next scene with Jean Luc is like this uh, laptop. 
It doesn't have a keyboard, but he's on chapter 4, page 31, reading about the Atlantis Project. Uh, Jean-Luc, is he, I couldn't tell if he was in a sea green or a sea foam robe, uh, but he's kind of staring into space, and then Marie's like, uh, she comes by, and she's like, hey, Jean-Luc, Jean-Luc, but he's just kind of staring off for a second. And she's like, what's up? He goes, well, I've been thinking, Lewis mentioned they need a director, and I've just been fantasizing about it. And she goes, well, why wouldn't you do it if it's just to fantasize? And he goes, well, thinking about leaving my career in the enterprise. And she says, well, you've been through a bit. Uh, and he goes, no, it's not. that's not it. And then he's like, or, or is it? Uh, and she says, well, geez, it'd be great to have you here. You know, you and your brother are such a ball of laughs to be around. Maybe you'd even start to like one another. And then Picard says, well, I already like his choice in wives. So I said, oh, boy, that's inappropriate, dude. Like, even if you mean it potentially, you just, I don't know. I mean, coming from him, it's believable. But and he goes, she said, never thanked you for your correspondence. So he does mean it from this genuine place because she's been sending him letters and he says, it made me feel like I'm part of the family. And she goes, you're not part, like part of the family. You are Jean-Luc Picard. Then we see even more old school because the doorbell rings and it's a jingle jangle physical bell above the door. And Robert goes to answer it. We also see their parquet floor is pink and sea green. I don't know why. And then Lewis is there. That's when I realized that he was Walt Jr.'s friend. And Lewis kind of is overstepped because Robert's like, all right, let's get some wine. You guys can talk business. And Robert says, what do you mean? And John Luke says, nothing. And Lewis is like, well, actually, I made a couple assumptions uh, about our plans. And, you know, we, we the Board of Governors want to meet with you. And Picard's like, what? And they say, well, it's preliminary, you know, making you an offer. And Picard's like, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you said you were interested. And he goes, I never said I was interested. Interested. I'm more, you know, same thing with Marie, what Drew's assuming. It's not that I'm interested in Marie. I find her interesting. Same thing about this. Uh, and they say, well, Lewis says, well, geez, just listen to him, man. It's free to listen. And then he goes, geez, uh, okay, fine, I'll listen to them. And Lewis says, geez, you're not going to regret it. I'll see you in the morning. And then Picard goes back to kind of staring off and then staring back at the computer again. Also, Robert Robert was uh, shining a box the whole time. And Picard seems torn. I, I thought that was important that Robert was, like, listening in and shining a box at some point. And then we have another commercial break. The next time we see Jean-Luc, he's drinking alone, drinking wine and thinking. Also, it's like interesting, the kind of country French theme. There's like a pitcher in a bowl. And I'm not sure if that was like how you'd wash your hands. Uh, uh, I don't know. And then there was like matching candlesticks and it was all like, uh, you know, what's that stuff like, uh, like China, like a nice... Uh, I don't know, painted and stuff. I don't know what you call it, like glass. It's not glass. It's ceramic. I don't know what that stuff is, but it looked good. I didn't see any roosters. Like people in America, when you have a country French house, it always feels like you have a lot of rooster stuff. I mean, maybe when I was a little kid, I'd play at somebody's house. 
but Robert comes in with freshly picked flowers that he's kind of still like trimming and holding in a rag. And uh, then they're talking about control, which we'll get into in a minute. And Robert, as him and Jean-Luc talk, he spends a lot of time. Jean-Luc's kind of just staring. They don't make a lot of eye contact. Uh, and Robert kind of acts interested, like he's interested in this corkscrew. He's kind of spinning it in his hands. He's got he's got a he has shoulder pads on, but I don't know if that's the style. I think he's had him on the whole episode. And suspenders. Maybe Jean-Luc's has less. Uh, Shoulder pads, but uh, whatever the shirt is, it looks really comfy. The seafoam shirt uh, or robe. And they're kind of going back and forth talking. And you can see it's getting more and more stern. And But they're still like barely making contact. Guy contact, and then Jean Luc gets up and leaves. Uh, but the conversation kind of goes like Jean-Luc's drinking and his brother says, geez, I don't think you can handle that. Synthesol, synthesol or whatever doesn't have out, like it uh, doesn't get you drunk. And Picard's like, yeah. And he goes, well, this will. And he goes, yeah, now that's something I'd like to see. And Picard says, what do you mean? He goes, gallant, gallant uh, Picard out of control. And then he acts a little bit innocent, like he's like, uh, kind of, he goes, geez, mind if I ask you a question? What happened out there? And Picard says, is this a concern? He goes, no, curiosity with the Borg, I mean, what, what was up with that? And Picard says, you know what happened? He goes, no, not precisely. He goes, I, I know you were humiliated. And then he said, man, this, this Robert is really, he's a, he's a handful. He goes, I always thought you needed a little humiliation or humility, either one will do. And so Picard rolls out, his brother, like, walks right after him. Uh, and this is around 34 minutes in the episode. It's probably worth a watch. Uh, oh, no, 34 minutes is, like, this this dialogue, so we'll get to it. Uh, else, uh, Picard storms out, why do you walk away? Yeah, okay, so he really sounds like, when we do this dialogue, he really sounds like the Emperor from Star Trek. Uh, it's, it's, I'll do, I won't do the Emperor voice at 3445. Let's see, let's do the dialogue first, and then I'll do the observation, because a lot of it, uh, it stops being dialogue-related. Robert says, why are you walking away? That's not your style. And Picard goes, I'm over it, bro. And he goes, oh, he's so tired. He goes, yeah. He goes, Robert says, what are you, tired of the Enterprise too?" The great Captain Picard, back down and then into the water with Lewis. He goes, well, that's not the brother I remember. But maybe that you're writing your own story. But local boy returns home to hero's welcome. Picard goes, I'm no hero. He goes, of course you are. He goes, you never settle for less than that ever. And Picard says, what? And he goes, oh, you canceled the parade to look good. And he said, Picard says, that's not what I'm after, man. And he goes, oh, Mr. President, school president, valedictorian, athletic hero, arms raised in victory, which is a really nice callback to when he raises his arms kind of in fake victory uh, when he's with Counselor Troy at the beginning. I just noticed that that is really nice uh, writing. I mean, like, this is an old, older-fashioned show, but uh, 
I mean, it's still a lot of nice things to point out, is my point. I hope I'm not being too... Well, it's a sleep podcast. I can be as much of a fanboy as I want, right? Uh, but he goes, uh, Picard says, what are you, jealous? He goes, that's right, I'm jealous. I had a right to be. Picard goes, what? You have a right to be jealous? And he goes, yeah, I'm your brother, watching you be the winner. And then we get the uh, prodigal son thing, which I like find appealing, because he says, yeah, you were breaking all the rules and kissing all the people, but, uh, you know, I was one by father's side. The older brother, the responsible one, looking after you. And Picard says, looking after me, you were a bully. And he goes, well, sometimes, he goes, but uh, sometimes I enjoyed it. And then Picard says, uh, like, it just gets better and better. Uh, let's see, let me read through my notes. That was the dialogue. Oh, what was the part where he says, uh, where he sounds like the thing? That was when he said tired. Where is that? Uh that's later. Oh, that was at the beginning. He go, oh, he goes, yes, tired of the Enterprise too. Uh, the great, like that part. Uh, he sounded like the Emperor, and he said, "Of course you are. Admit it. You'll never settle for less than that, and you never will." That just reminded me of uh, Return of the Jedi, with Luke talking to the Emperor. Uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense without the audio. So, um. But yeah, so they're walking through the uh, the grounds of uh, the Picard house. His brother's arms are behind his back. Now Luke's a few feet in front of him while he pesters him. And then finally Picard says, you're not going to bully me anymore, by the way. He goes, go ahead and try now. But when he says it, he like uh, uh, his eyebrows raised, or maybe his brother's eyebrows raised when he says, you want me to look after you again? And then they have a... A mud fight, because Picard's like, come on, man, uh, I'm sick of you. And so they have a mud fight, growls in the vines, like, because uh, Picard's growling as, uh, they're really, like, here's where they face off. You're so jealous? Yeah, I'm jealous. It's really good acting, too, uh, by the brother. Uh, he goes, oh, yeah, I'm so sick of being your brother. You Mr. Hot Stuff. You know, this is very... Uh, is, is this archetypal? You know, it was my job to look after you. Look after me. Picard's really, like, panting almost. He's really had enough. Uh, and he goes, see, sometimes I even enjoyed it. And here's where Jean-Luc says, you know what? Uh, go ahead, bully. But he's, like, it does seem, like, a little bit smaller. Oh, and this Russ says, why did you come back? Uh, did you come back because you wanted me to look after you, you again? And then Picard says, and that's when the mud fight starts. And uh, it's pretty hilarious uh, watching them. I can't tell if it, it must be stunt people, too. Uh, but, it, like, I'm not watching it in slow motion or anything. Ground, they're guard. They throw mud at each other. And then they really, like, they're exhausted. And then they start laughing uh, for just a second. Because then, uh, you know, after the, the release of adrenaline... You know, Picard says, geez, you were asking for it. And Robert says, you know what? You've been really hard on yourself. Uh, and then Picard, like, has a second release of sadness because he says, geez, they took everything, the Borg, uh, and they used me, and I couldn't stop them. Like, I should have been able to stop them, and I tried, and I failed. I wasn't strong enough. I should have been. I should have been able to stop them. I should have. 
And he's crying. And Robert says, well, my brother's a human being. And then the healing moment comes. He goes, this is going to be with you a, long, a really good moment. He goes, this is going to be with you a long time, Jean-Luc, a long time. You have to learn to live with it. Now you have a simple choice to live with it below the sea with Lewis or above the clouds with the Enterprise. And they're in the vines, like where he originally said, I'm going to help the sick vine. And then he says, Jesus, uh, Picard says, I guess I did come back to be healed. And then Robert says, you know what? I still don't like you. And he means it. It's not like a joke. Uh, he goes, uh, he, he goes, yeah. But we, we, and I said, wow, that's powerful. Like, uh, you like if there's people in your life, you say, you know what? I just don't like uh, if that was allowable. I don't think it is. Because uh, usually you just feel like, well, it's my fault. I don't like this person, you know? Uh, and that's so with Ro- Ro- Robert. Yeah, so then they help each other up. Uh, I think you were right after all. I still don't like you. Then there's a commercial. Uh, then we see Mud going into the their house, and then the brothers are drunk. Uh, when Marie's get, eyes get home, cover up like a couple of... Oh, yeah, so Marie comes home, she says, what happened? And they cover it up like a couple of Monty Python characters. They're like, oh, it was my fault. I tripped in, you know, they, like, she's like, were you two mud wrestling? And she goes, what if your father saw you? And Picard says, well, he sent us to bed without supper. And she says, well, I'm glad you got it out of your system. And Picard says, yes, you're right, Marie. I'm going to have to cancel that meeting. It's with the governors and Lewis. I got to get out of here. She says, already, Jean-Luc? He goes, yeah, it's time for the ship to go, and I belong on board. If I should ever doubt it again, I know where to come. And then we have a parting scene with Jean-Luc back in his uniform, uh, which I think is powerful, and he's with Marie and Renee, and Renee's holding his bag, very proud. And his brother's standing in the background with an ascot on. And he gives him a wine and two kisses and a real hug. Uh, and he walks off in uniform. I put that there. But Jean-Luc Robert says, you know, here's the 47. You know, drink it with somebody special. Uh, you know, they really have a moment. Even they make eye contact. And uh, even his brother's eyes soften a little bit when he hugs uh, Jean-Luc. Like, he does care. Uh, which is good because this guy was stern, whoever this actor is. And then we see Picard walk back down the same la- lane with Lesso springing us up, a very determined pace. We see his back with his uniform and his bag. And then Worf is seeing his parents off, uh, and he crosses, they cross paths with Jean-Luc. Uh, and he says, hey, what's up? Uh, and then as the door closes, like Picard's coming in from the transporter, he smiles uh, uh, because, you know, Worf's, uh, like, uh, parents are getting on his nerves and stuff. And Worf's nerves, not on Picard's. And then we see Marie and uh, Robert eating dinner alone in this night. And Marie says he's still out there dreaming about starships and adventures. This reminded me of uh, Christmas Story, the movie. Dreaming about starships and adventures. It's getting late, and Robert says, "Well, let him dream." And then we uh, like there's like a very, very uh, like um, iconic shot, I guess, of uh, 
a kid under a tree. It's Renee in this case, like stars in the sky. He's got like very, like very, like his knees up and there's a shooting stars and there's a constellation and the episode comes to a close. Even some city lights in the background, uh, uh, really well done. His knees up, you know, just like the like uh, picture should be. And the episode ends, uh, and that worked out pretty good. Like, so, uh, yeah, there'll be a part two uh, next week. Uh, good night, everybody.